0: Hey everyone, it's Post to Posterson, hanging out here in the garage late at night for another sleepy, super deluxe special edition episode of the Sleep With Me podcast. For anyone new, um, if you've just joined up on Patreon, uh, I'm usually behind the scenes helping Scooter to edit the podcast but once in a while he'll give me free reign to take a show that's already aired and to add some music and some sound effects to it, um, which he then re-releases as a Super Deluxe Special Edition version. And that's just a fun extra bonus way uh, we like to say thanks to all of you who support the podcast on Patreon. So I always say up front here, thank you so much. Your support goes a long way towards helping all of us work on this show. So thank you for making that happen. And let's hop into another Super Deluxe Special Edition. Super Deluxe is primarily a calming music Super Deluxe. I've taken a show that recently aired uh, where Scoots is talking about his love of some hills that he likes to go walking in. So we'll be joining him on a little relaxing walk with some nice calming music in the background. It's pretty subtle, but hopefully it can help you relax and maybe even get some much deserved sleep. Thanks again, everybody. And with any luck, good night.
1: All right, everybody, it's Scoots here, and uh, it's been a while since I've done a personal essay-style episode, or uh, one of those. And uh, I I try not to, you know, I really try not to force things, but I've been... i give you a little background, a little sleepy background here, and see where this goes. uh, Because I guess I've had some confluence of things... And who knows when you're listening to this, but when I'm recording it, it, it kind of plays into that. And I guess it'd be cool that I'll be editing this and you'll be listening to it in the future, which is another great opportunity to see how these growth opportunities go. Uh, so, so let me see, where are we at? So I've had, it's the fall of 2021. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm laughing because I I don't know what year it is and I know you probably don't either. And then even when I think it is, then I say, probably not, that you can't be. But so to, to, to kind of practice more and more self-care and try different things out, I've tried to get back into journaling or morning pages or evening pages or inventory, whatever you want to call it. I'm trying to bookend my wind-down routine and my wake-up routine with some more just trying to get a little bit more involved in my life uh is it with that you know in in a, a way that just gives me some cornerstones and to try out and also to be honest like because it's if if you do have kids in your life it has, like to say hey this is what i'm doing or we could do it together side by side parallel journaling and we'll each keep our private business to our private business, but we could just do it at the same time as part of our wind-down routine. Because it's the fall of 2021, the autumn of 2021, I don't think is an easy time for anybody, but particularly school children. But that doesn't mean, and I know it's, this can be something I say, oh boy, I'm having strong feelings about this. And I say, yeah, this is an opportunity, though, too. They don't always view things that way. But I do have to say that then things, I started to realize some strange layers of stuff as I started journaling in a good way. And what I'm thinking we'll talk about, and maybe this will end up being a two session show, I don't know, because I say, I don't know where this is, I really don't know where this is going to go, or if I have like 65, 70 minutes of stuff. Uh, so I'm trying to think where to start, but I guess where it starts is. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you know, like, uh, the, with the backstory of where I'm at now and why I'm thinking about this, uh, what it really comes down to is the hills of the East Bay and the South Bay in Northern California. And if you live in, like, Southern California or Central California, you probably have some of these hills that may be a little bit different. You know, like, uh, in, you know, the the, gra- the the grass that is not green can still always be greener because I do feel like I like the uh, hills and mountains around Los Angeles a little bit better, just a little bit more wild. But you do have to drive a little bit, you know, past Pasadena or whatever, uh, or out in that direction. I I think I can't even remember anymore to get to those kind of hills. But these rolling, undulating hills in California, and they're a bit different because When it's raining in the winter, they turn green, which I guess is counterintuitive for the rest of the rest of everywhere else. And even for me, they have this rhythm and then they turn brown and they're brown for most of the like whenever the rain stops a little bit after that and through the summer and into the autumn, which is kind of what our summer is here anyway and then again the cycle repeats itself in different ways and, and and it's not something i really know a lot about uh like other than like when you drive east from oakland or san francisco you'll start to see them and, and the further east you go until you get to the valley like you'll see more and more of them unless you go north or real far east into the mountains these are the hills i don't know if they're they're considered... I don't know if they're considered mountains. I don't really know. So... Uh, what was my point here? I don't know what my point... Do I have a point? <laughs> oh, so... So th- these hills... When you live here... They are something that you... Or at least I kind of take for granted. And I've lived, whatever, in California for a while. And... But then you see them turn green and you say, Oh, that's cool... And then they turn brown again and the and so the reason they have importance is twofold. like right now, I have fallen deeply in love with these hills again uh, because of just some changes but more so the the confluence is that these were the this was the literally uh, the first thing I saw when I got to California when i knew i was in california so i'm trying to think what to explain first i guess i'll explain the love the current love first and then we'll go back because then it'll be like looking at the onion and then maybe peeling the onion to say well there's probably something more here and i I also well no we'll go to the other layers but but so i've fallen in love with these hills uh and this is kind of a current personal essay type thing i prefer the past ones because it, like uh the boundaries are a little bit different than talking about my current circumstances but so my current circumstances are that uh well like my routines changed just like a lot of people changed they changed going into the uh 20, 2020 2019 2021 and then they changed coming out of them. So it's kind of been like this three-phase thing. Well, I kind of had my routine, and and then I started to try to formulate a routine with my daughter, learning from home, and now we're formulating a new routine with my daughter going to school. And she goes to school somewhere where we commute to school. And while she's at school, I work from, like, a co-working space on the days I drive her to school, just because it's a reverse commute situation taking her to school. But if, we were, if I was to try to go back home and work from home, not only would I have a double commute, uh, but then the, the commute would be, like, it just, just with traffic, it's just not achievable, and only drive in one way. I drive her to school, then I go to the co-working place, and I work, and then I go pick her up from school, and we go home. Uh, but that's kind of also changed around some of the p- production of the podcast because I can't record episodes at least as a, when I'm recording this at the co-working space because it's just a, a, an office setting, and it's not quiet, and there's not a podcast studio there. And I don't know if I'd be comfortable, like, I don't know if that would necessarily work. Uh, So we'll see. But things are working fine on the production thing. It's just, it changes, right? And I guess it's good, maybe it it is good for me to talk about this, even though it's outside of my comfort zone. Because I see sometimes when I talk about my life in current circumstances, I feel like the boundaries become blurry, or impact people in a way because I fall out of line of like how they imagine things or whatever around the podcast. and then sometimes I have to renegotiate those boundaries with the list certain listeners or people take exception to it or whatever. so so I'm just putting that out there because I say, well, I'm still trying to be vulnerable not in a like in a way to say, hey, it's okay if you're having trouble with me talking about this stuff, you could listen to another episode, but more. With this world stuff of trying to navigate it, uh, I'm not going to get too deep into the difficulty or whatever, but it's like, okay, I don't always view this stuff or wholly view it as opportunities for growth or exploration. But I also want you to know that some tiny part of me, probably because of the podcast, I made positive interactions with all the listeners and the examples you said, that it's like I've grown a little bit. Where I say, okay, these changes are good. So... That set up one change, right? And we've gotten kind of into a rhythm. And then I said, okay, well, probably after we get back from school, like is when I would record some intros, like, uh, or some pickups, where normally I would record those if I was working from home for a full day during the day. And then when I'm at the co working space, I do have, I haven't gotten a routine down for the week, but like where I'm able to focus a lot more on production, writing, and all of the, like a lot of the logistical stuff that you just got to sit and focus at a desk anyway to get done for the podcast. So I foresee once I get adjusted to this, like one day it being more like, okay, these are my focus office days. And these are more of my production days. Uh, But we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how things uh... I mean, that would be interesting if I fall back into a routine where I'm like recording twice a day in two separate sessions. But I don't necessarily see that happening yet. Uh, Also, a lot of this is about self-care, right? And, And I've talked about running before. And if you ever want a memoir about running, I know the oatmeal has a lot, of, a lot of them, but also what I talk about when I talk about running, which I'm probably misquoting by Murakami, is a great uh, r- memoir about writing and running. So OK, so but so I, I loathe running. Like I've talked, I guess I didn't think this would be like a running podcast uh, about running, but this will go into a whole nother thing of California. So, but running is something, or jogging, you'd say, is that uh, since I discovered podcasts before I even started making Sleep With Me, particularly script notes and some deep dive theme park podcasts those got me back into running because I was able to, and I've talked about this or I talk about it in interviews a lot too. Like there's something about that very similar and that probably led to sleep with me that like normally if I was running, even if I'm like normally when I'm running, I, the one thing I don't want to think about is the fact that I'm running because for me, and I know there's a lot of mindful runners and mindfulness and running is the thing. And I am paying attention, but I don't want to think – if I start thinking about running and not being mindful of it, then I think I loathe this. Uh, how much longer do I have to do this? Uh, and I can't really enjoy it because my thoughts are getting in the way, which is my own thing. But, but because I discover podcasts, uh, like I'm able to – so I still have – like so I still have my thinking track going out of my brain unrelated to running. That could be, you know, whatever, my chattering brain – they could be chattering about anything. But then I also have a podcast going. Let's say it is Script Notes or Lentesta on a podcast. And I'm listening to that. I'm able to kind of listen to that, and then maybe my thoughts intrude on the podcast, and I pause and I get distracted, or I drift away, and then I go back to the podcast, or I, re- I so what were John and Craig talking about? I better back it up, because... Uh, but so... That enabled me to not think about that third thing, the fact that I'm running and whatever, I'm exerting myself or, you know, just not getting my overthinking brain involved in that process, just distracting enough. And that's worked. I mean, there's been times I've taken breaks from running or, you know, every once in a while, you know, I get a little like uh, pull something and I take a break. And you know secretly, I'm afraid to say this, but I do enjoy running, even though there's part of me that loves it i I really do like it, and uh I like being outside and I like being not not that i'm running I'm not a fast runner, but like being having be able to get to a certain distance at a certain pace that's not that fast but being able to sustain being able to jog for an hour. Like enables you to kind of see stuff that walking you wouldn't get it, be able to see or enjoy stuff. So that was a tangent about running, but 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 it's an important tangent because I said to myself with my daughter saying, I said, okay, I'm trying to balance work and this is a part of my self care and almost a hobby is running or jogging, and she's going to school east of where we live, so. There was one time I was trying, before I had the co working space, I was working at libraries. And so there was two public libraries I had to choose from. So there was one time I drove to one of the public libraries and we dro- I drove through the hills that I was talking about. Uh, and I saw a couple parks and I realized, wow, there's a lot of trails on these hills. Uh, I'd like to start running. And then another day, I think I just got lost, was I just lost, or did I go looking, no, did I go running, oh no, so I said to myself, well, you know, why don't you go for your run, like, and time it so you finish your run at school pickup, and you can leave your car at school pickup or, you know, in the parking lot or whatever, and, you know, then it's not necessarily the end of your work day, but you're not distracted by when are you going to run, Like, let's try that out. So I tested that out weeks ago and I said, well, let me see how far from her school, if I can just run and find one of these random entrances to these hills, uh, a lot of which are run by the East Bay Parks District, which is amazing. And I don't really know the history of it, but if you go to the East Bay of California, like the hills between Oakland and San Leandro and Hayward and then the that's a developed area and then the next developed area which would be kind of the is it the 680 corridor I'd call it you have um like uh, San Ramon Dublin Pleasanton Walnut Creek Concord like the hills between those are mostly parks uh, like like uh, which is really like a miracle now And such a resource and a visionary resource in the sense of like not only was it preservation, but it's also offers recreation and it offers like value that, you know, nowadays might get lost in the bottom line or like might become overvalued instead of saying, wow, this actually serves a value that, you know, probably increases the home values. And, you know, ideally, we'll build a lot more housing in California in the areas that are already developed. You know, we don't need to use these hills. And I don't think that'll change. I think they're protected because it's a resource. You know, even if you live in an apartment building, then you can enjoy the hills or whatever. Like me, like I don't have a house in the hills where I could just run out. It'd be pretty sweet. But so, uh, let's see, where was I? So everybody gets to enjoy these parks. So I ran one day, and I just kept running, and I was going down side streets, and then I found an entrance to this open space, they called it. Uh, And interestingly enough, it had a bike trail, a bike and running trail, a horse trail, and then hiking and trail running trails. Now, I was at the end of my run that day, so I just found the entrance, and then I ran back to my car. And then since then, I've said, okay, well, I could park at the entrance to that and then run in the hills. And I don't know. I mean, right now it's still something new. So you all know what it's like at the beginning of a relationship when there's unexplored territory. But I am so in love with the like running, trail running in these hills or trail or hiking because sometimes it's too steep for me to run or jog even and i'm just really enjoying it and it's also like uh, inland so it's a hotter air which i love running like not in humidity but like i can dry heat i actually do enjoy running in uh, i mean not extreme dry heat but you know 80s 90s i don't mind like because it's if there's not a high humidity i don't know but I, I said there's something else here, like like as soon as I hit these hills uh, and I started running or jogging in them, and you're talking about uh, these same things, so very dry right now dirt, uh, hard-packed dirt with uh, brown grass, or, or no, well, a straw-colored grass, they'd say brown, but I'd say like a straw-colored grass. And there's some trees and stuff, but it's fairly barren. But to me, it is so beautiful. Uh, And I think it is from growing up in such a different uh, uh, ecological environment. Uh, So we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But thus far, and I've only probably run in the hills like six times. So it is like this new thing for me and I'm still getting to know how far I can run and still be back in time for school pickup, which one time I cut cl- it close. I was two minutes late. Uh, when you're, And you're, when your kid's at a new school, you know, two minutes late. It, it, like I said, oh, sorry, you know, I got caught, uh, like, mistimed things. But so I don't know. And there's not too many details about the running in the hills other than You know, one day I go right, one day I go left, one day I take this path, one day I take that one. Let's see where this goes. And then keep an eye on my time out and then try to say, okay, can I get back in the same amount of time I went out on? But again, and I don't know if you ever experienced this, but where you're touching something in a, a, a sense and you're saying, why does this feel so electric? why is this touch feel so electric to me uh, you know like and I guess for somebody like me that's an overthinker you know part of me would say you shouldn't be enjoying this so much or, or you're delusional or whatever like there is a part of me a strong internal critic or cynic uh, but I still said what is this uh, with these hills? I mean it really isn't that big a deal I mean it is though I don't know and it's not a traditional beauty like a lot of people would say well these hills they're just like uh, barren uh strong, grassy hills with some old gnarled trees and I see, yeah like a walnut tree I think I ran across the other day and they're bleak like it's just dirt hard packed dirt uh and you know it's just sun the sun's on it and And I said, oh boy, yes, you are right. Isn't that, doesn't that make your heart palpitate so much? But I still said, what is it about these hills? And and even talking to my journal about it, I said, said, uh, you know, I've been running with these hills. I "I don't know. It's really got me going. And I can't quite put my finger on it. uh, And I'm like, I mean, not to be, like a thirst in these hills, like, and so, uh, it's and then, like, as I was writing it out, I remembered uh, that there is a, le- like, oh, what is the electric layer, was when I moved to California, and I'd never been to California before, that was the first thing I saw. That I knew I was in California, and I was actually incorrect in some sense. And so, I was on the plane. I was taking a flight. I don't know where my layover was, but I flew into the San Jose Cal- airport, San Jose, California airport, which uh, over the past few years uh, it had kind of grown in traffic. But it's a small. At the time, it was a smaller airport, but still jet. You know, still jets could land. And I was flying from Syracuse to California, but I probably had one or two layovers, maybe just one. Maybe there's flights from JFK or or LaGuardia. But who knows? All I know is, like, uh, I love looking out the window of a plane, but at some point, like, I started to see these hills. And and for someone from Syracuse, uh, I thought they were sand dunes, and I said, "Holy mackerel!" Is like, like uh, I really felt like uh, I was experiencing. It, it just uh, like my mind was blown. Like seeing these sand dunes, or what I saw were these sand dunes, and just being like, oh, "Holy mackerel!" I cannot believe what I'm seeing. I can't believe these rolling hills. Like it, it was uh, from someone that just grows up in a a much different environment, which, you know, now I go back there and I kind of have, like, it really is powerful. Like, I'm able to have that exact appreciation like flying into an East Coast city in the summer and seeing the trees retaining the humidity Uh Or flying in in the in in a starker time and seeing everything you can see because there's no leaves on the trees. I really haven't gotten a lot of autumn travel back east in, but or flying someplace said another different environment like maybe Florida, uh, but like flying to the East Coast, uh, the Northeast, uh, and or flying into a city like New York or Philly and then seeing like the combination of the green. And the the, the heat and the cities, oh boy! And then being on the ground and, and going for hikes or walks and those type of things, which is a mix of kind of uh, what do you call them—evergreen and deciduous trees—and uh, feeling that humidity—a whole nother romance. Uh, but so I remember my plane landed, and, and I, I can't. It's interesting, you know. You have these powerful moments that are a little bit misty, right? Uh, where a new part, like you're, you're taking a new part of your life, and maybe also this is coming up because my daughter is experiencing it in a different way. She's a freshman in high school, right? But so. Uh, like, I'm on this plane and I can just remember looking out the window and seeing these hills and thinking that this must have been like where they shot like movies that took place in deserts, which I can't even think of one. I think there was some like action type, uh, drama type movie, but I don't even know. Like I said, is this, these are like the sand dunes you see in movies, like that people like to ski down and, 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 and no, they were not. And then just know like it was hot because this was August uh, and San Jose gets pretty hot. Uh, It can get pretty hot. Uh, Like I got off the plane, it was hot. And, And I mean, I did not know anything. I knew very little about California other than San Francisco and Los Angeles and a little bit more. That was the limits of my knowledge. And I like I said, I'd never been there before. So I was thinking that San Jose, like I was like, this must be one of these desert regions of California, which it was incorrect. And I guess part of my brain didn't quite put together that San Francisco was just like, a, you know, 30 miles away or something. And so I got off the plane. Like I said, it was hot. Uh, now, this is where my memory gets a little bit foggy. And it's weird that the mostly, other than these, uh, feelings of, uh, mesmerize, mesmerizing, I can't really tap into the other feelings because I'm sure I was feeling some other strong feelings because I was g- going there and I'll talk, talk a little bit more about it, but, uh. But whatever, let me get this hill stuff out while we were here. So I get off the plane, and I presume it's daytime. So my best guess is that I left early in the morning on the East Coast, which would make sense because even now, when I visit Syracuse, uh, there's not a lot of flight options. Like this past time, luckily there was like a like a 12 o'clock or an 11 o'clock midday flight uh, but usually, in the, in the normally, there's only, like, very early... You're talking, like, six-in-the-morning flights to connect to a flight to the West Coast or late-afternoon flights that then don't get in till really late, like, one in the morning. But somehow this year, with, because it also I had to change my tickets a bunch of times, but uh, I was able to get some flights that left at a reasonable time. Like, I think it was, like, around 10.30 or 11.00. And then, you know, whatever, went to one of the hubs, Detroit or Atlanta, normally. And then I was able to get home at a reasonable time, like 7 or 8 o'clock at night. I think it was, yeah, like 6 or 7 o'clock. Okay, so here's. So I land in San Jose. I get off the plane. I think, like, uh. And probably somebody had coached me through this, but I'm pretty sure this was back in the... Like, so I had a hotel booked near the airport. And I'm pretty sure this, like, almost never happened to me ever again. Uh, But I'm pretty sure what happened was, like, this was back when, like, all the hotels had free shuttles. Any airport hotel also had a free shuttle that would pick you up at the airport because it wasn't close enough to the airport to walk. And... I'm actually not now I'm like a 99 percent positive because I can kind of remember walking up. And I think a lot of times they had like a, a dedicated kind of phone booth for it where you just press one button and it calls a hotel and you say, hey, I'm here in the San Jose airport. I need you to pick me up. And this I think I'm pretty sure it was a holiday in. But just, at least in my mind, that's what it was, like a Holiday Inn type motel. I don't think, well, maybe it was a, oh oh boy, we're getting more information coming here. I think so. So, I get to the hotel shuttle, and I'm pretty sure it it was daytime, because I don't think I stayed more than one night. I think I only stayed one night at this place. So, I went to the hotel, and we'll just pretend it's a Holiday Inn. And I checked in, and again, I said, holy cow, like, uh, like, let me g- get out, and, uh, and I, you know, went to my room, and I knew I had to be somewhere the next morning, I think, uh, but so I got settled, I don't really remember, I-, I literally remember nothing about the room at all. Uh, But I know it had an outdoor pool, and I went swimming because I love swimming, and it was so hot. Uh, So I don't know if I swam right away or I went swimming. Uh, And so this hotel was also the recommended hotel, I think, for the people that were doing this, which was like a year-long volunteer program. So I think part of me was the social nervous part of me— uh, and like loner, like I have my loner part of me because I like to be alone sometimes. But there's also the forlorn loner, uh, or the outsider type part of me. And so I don't know if there was like other people my age at the pool, or if I was wondering, like, wh- like, uh, like or whatever. But so I, I know I went swimming. I'm not sure if I went swimming first or last. And the only other thing I knew I did which is so me like for nowadays, but I guess I had gone to college in New York too. So it made sense is I went for a walk. Uh, And if this like, so this was not in downtown San Jose. So this was like somewhere out, uh, actually San Jose airport though is somewhat near downtown San Jose. And I don't think I, maybe I asked at the front desk, like where is there someplace I could go eat? Uh, or maybe I didn't, I just started walking, but I, like, walked, and I got to, like, a boulevard that you would expect by not far from a airport where hotels and motels are. Maybe it was the same boulevard the hotel was on. And it just had, like, offices and fast food places. And this was either a Saturday or a Sunday. And so then I uh, went to a Togo's, uh... And the reason I'm laughing is, uh, um, is that, uh, my relationship, it just, uh, like, I didn't know that it was a chain. And again, I had moved from like a place, uh, that, uh, like in, 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 in this was pre Sub, Togo's, I think was pre Subway or maybe Subway was around at this point, but, uh. If you were going to eat at a chain deli in New York City, you would usually eat at a Blimpie's, and if you were eating at a chain deli in Syracuse, you would usually eat at Drex Subs. And otherwise, you could go to the Brooklyn Pickle, or in New York City, you know, you could take your pick of like independent delis. In uh, all of those places, even Blimpies or Drex Subs, they make a similar sub sandwiches. And I know some people have ogies and grinders, and Adam Sandler has a song about it, but uh, those are made a certain way. And so I had like a kind of East Coast sandwich sensibility, and I still do. I had a sub at an independent sub shop this summer, and it was an East Coast sub. I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, Subway attempted to uh, copy that, but not, not successfully, no offense, Uh, But, you know, they did a good enough job. And Togo's is not like that. Uh, It's, uh, and I don't quite know how to put my finger on the difference, but that, uh, so I remember ordering the sub and eating it and kind of being satiated and probably drinking some lemonade or soda and... I just remember that. Well, And the reason I was laughing again also is because, so for a long time, I worked somewhere in a building that was on like the second floor or even outside. Like in this building, it was a reconverted uh, uh, factory to like offices and stuff. And then on the ground floor was a Home Depot I think there was a Walmart that had a Mickey D's in there. There was a cell phone store and maybe one or two other things. And then I think Togo's was like literally the only place. So if I forgot to bring my lunch to work uh, and I didn't want to drive somewhere, which I didn't want to do ever to go get my lunch, my option was Togo's or... um, I think Mickey D's, which you just can't, I mean, come on. I mean, occasionally, like inside of Walmart. So I grew to have a contentious relationship with Togo's because it just was one of those places where it was like, uh, did its job, but nothing ever, I never had like, oh boy, I got to go to Togo's and get that wild, wild ones sandwich pack. It was more like, well, at least I could fill up on the sun chips and then whatever, I'll have the turkey or the, Tuna or whatever they got going, so I not mean I guess I, I'm not mean, that's just my personal taste either. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, you know. If you love to, Togo's or if you work there, that's that's cool. I mean, uh, I totally like probably people love it. And it was the first place I ever, ate. In, here's here, you there you go, first place I've ever ate in California, Togo's. And while I was at Chogosos, that's when I got a little bit closer view of these hills. And I was... Pro- I mean, this part was a little bit like a, sl- like a boring sleep with me movie. Where I was like that kid. Like walking down... I mean, this is why I say boring sleep with me. Because I'm walking like through an office park style area. From a Holiday Inn. Looking at these hills. Realizing there's grass on the hills. But still like the undulation of these hills... Uh, it just, it just, it just struck me. It was just, uh, it was romantic in a way, like I was talking about earlier, that I'm feeling about it now. That's not traditionally romantic, uh, like, sure, California. I mean, I got to move to L.A., and that, now the hills around L.A. or the Los Angeles National Forest, or the Angeles National Forest, there's some romance, and then you go further, you know, into the, the mountains of the Sierras and stuff, like, holy mackerel. These hills are not, like, uh, that flashy. Uh, e- even if you go into some of the East Bay, the redwood areas, like, these hills are more undulating hills with, with uh, straw-like grass. There was just something about it, and maybe it's just seared to that new memory. And then I walked back to the Holiday Inn, and uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't do anything. I, I don't know. Maybe I like, uh, maybe I did something. But at some point, I met two other gentlemen, or boy, I men, boys, I don't know, guys that were doing this volunteer program that knew each other. I don't know if I met him at that night or during the day. And one of them was a little bit more outgoing. And he said, hey, are you uh, in in this JVC program? And and I said, yeah. And and then he said, oh, come back to our room. I'm pretty sure I came back to the room like the morning. We were supposed to take the airport shuttle back to the airports. And that's where our journey started. I well, let me back up again. And I kind of talked about this a long time ago in uh, another podcast. So, but again, hopefully this is like, maybe this is some new territory. And if you're listening, you know, maybe you're sound asleep looking so good and that's great. But if you are here along with me and you're here for me to keep you company, maybe we could help make some of this normal because this is what old scoots went, goes through all the time. so this goes back to like college and I graduated college or I was graduating and I did not know what I needed to do what I was going to do like I knew what I wanted to do with my life which was to make movies but that didn't seem possible and at the time I was probably you know some of my underlying issues you know I got sober much later after this but I probably like that was impacting my decision making Relationship with alcohol and my relationship with fear, which those two are inexorably in linked. Uh, so I thought, like, and this was well, it's not mistaken because my life took the journey it took. But I think if I was more in you know, a more stable or confident or comfortable place, like, I probably would have stayed in New York, like which is what most of my friends did. Because oh, I went to college in the Bronx and Fordham in New York City. And, like, like uh, some of my friends got job offers when they were in college or they were recruiting or they were like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And they kind of, like, started to kind of figure out who was going to live with who or whom. And I was like, uh, I had the old, uh, uh, the hot foot, right? Like, they call it, like, I think I thought I was going to get some geographic cure. Like, I said, okay, well... But I also was, like, just lost. I said, I don't know what I want to do. I know I don't want to get... I know I don't have good boundaries. And if I just get some job, like, uh, working in an office, I'll get stuck. Uh, At least I had that foresight. Because you could easily get, like, a job. Like, there's just a lot of companies. I mean, I think they were all companies that were hiring people based on, like, uh, selling something or whatever. So it wouldn't have worked out anyway. But so... But I said, no, 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 I can't just get a job. And, and I didn't have any money, so it's like I, I, I kind of got to figure out a job to stay in New York. Uh, and I just had a sense of half When I said, oh, no, 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 I got to get out of here. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I guess when you talk about synchronicity with these hills, uh, there's also other forms of synchronicity. Because I'll never forget it. Uh, um. I I don't know if this was, like, what part of my senior year this was, but they had this volunteer career fair, volunteer opportunity fair or something. And I think one or two people that I knew said, hey, I'm going to go check this out. And maybe I went, maybe I liked somebody and and they were going, or what. But I, I like, went to this uh, in. Uh, I found two different organizations, well, three, but two that I was, like, very strongly interested in. And I didn't even realize this was an option. It was like, oh, you could do a year of service after you graduate, uh, and that's what you'll do for a year. And there was one, and it had just kind of, it it was having trouble with funding because of, like, politics-type stuff. Uh, But it's still around now, which is AmeriCorps. And they had like th- these two different kinds of Americorps. Like uh, they had like this one Americorps that was responding to stuff. And I thought, wow, like when major events happen, th- I don't know if this program's still in place, but uh, like Americorps, is like a direct service thing. Like you go, like Teach for America was another one that was there. But I don't, th- I didn't think I wanted to be a teacher. And I remember actually, maybe one of the guys I went for, he did Teach for America. I think that's what it's called. And you just volunteer and you teach for a year. And I think now he's a principal somewhere. But so, um, like, I said, okay, well, I don't want to do Teach for America because I don't see, which is ironic, uh, I don't see myself being a teacher. And so, but so I saw this AmeriCorps thing. I said, okay, they said, yeah, we kind of have these two things going right now. Maybe they were called different things at the time. But we had like regular AmeriCorps, which you go do something and uh, like, uh, like you, you know, whatever, like similar to Teach for America. You go work in, in direct service with people in need. And I said, okay, that sounds cool. And then they said, we have this other one. But it doesn't have funding right now. If funding got cut, we're trying to get it back restored. And it's more physical. Like that, and probably now they have like something like the Civilian Conservation Corps. It was similar to that, where it wasn't necessarily all like fixing trails and anything. It was like, oh, if uh, some strong weather goes somewhere, these volunteers would go there and help. Them. And I said, that would be cool. So they said, well, okay, well, here's how you apply to all of it. Uh, so I saw that one. Then I saw another one. What did I say? There was three. There might have been one other like uh, organization. I can't think of. Uh, but so there was this other organization there called JVC, which stands for Jesuit Volunteer Corps. And JVC was uh, like a, a, like based in a Jesuit tradition, and it, it was a little bit more mission based, where AmeriCorps was like a, like a non secular. JVC was in, or JVC is not necessarily a Catholic. I mean even though it has a Jesuit backing it was rooted in this fourfold mission which was spirituality like which you could do, define how you wanted uh social justice simplicity and community and uh, it had this four, fourfold of values. And they said, okay, and, and yeah, again, you go work in direct service. A lot of the direct service was either, you know, not social work because you weren't a social worker, but working with social workers or teaching. And they said, it's a little bit harder to get into, you know, we have we, we like screen people or whatever. And, uh, but they said, here's how to apply. And I said, holy cow, like this might, this might be for me. Like, uh, one of these two things, and the more I kind of discerned about it, ironically, when you talk about Jesuits and stuff like, uh, I said, I I really think uh, you know, I want to do one of these. And at the time, the uh, the the response, AmeriCorps was like my top choice, uh, and so whatever, I filled out the applications, and uh, my timeline is very confusing because I have no idea. Like if this happened after I graduated college or I think it, the JVC Pri timeline was probably, yeah, like you apply for it and then, you know, get accepted till after you graduate college. I'm not sure about that, though. But there was some uncertainty in the, the AmeriCorps one was definitely uncertain. Like they were like, you can apply Uh, But at the time, even the AmeriCorps overall, they were like, we might lose funding just because there was different different, uh, parties in charge of each part of the government. And they weren't getting along. So they were like, we we might not have any funding for this at all, but we definitely are having trouble getting the funding for this. This is just how I remember it to might not be true. And so I said, okay, that I guess will be my... First choice, but I'll apply to this JVC, too, because it sounds pretty cool and uh, sounds maybe a little bit too intense for me, like the idea of the spirituality. But I said it appeals to me, like the idea of social justice, you know, because I moved from someone that was more ignorant, right, and more closed-minded. And I didn't really understand uh, how the world was for everybody, And as I became more aware of that, I did say, wait a second, there is this social injustice that I see, uh, you know, now that I've gotten outside of my bubble. And it did become more and more important to me the more time I spent. uh, You know, I, I think that's part of like a Jesuit education or even a liberal arts education. Sometimes you say, "Okay, whoa, like I really was an ignorant, privileged person. And still am, but but as my, like as I started to realize more of that, I said, "Wait a second, like maybe I do need to be a part of change here, or I'm not comfortable with this. Uh, what can I do about it?" And so JBC did offer an opportunity to engage with that and say, "Well, if this is important to you—simplicity, uh, social justice, spirituality, and community—you uh, know—think about applying." And so then I applied for JVC, and the only things I really remember about it is, uh, I don't know if it's after you get in or when you apply. I think when you apply, back then when I applied, you applied to a region. So there was like the United States was broken up into like uh, one, two, three, four, like five or six regions, like the northeast, uh, the southeast uh the the south mid middle south like uh, maybe the south uh but then included like texas and everything so and then the midwest the northwest and the southwest so i applied to jbc sw southwest and because i said well if i could like if i'm going to do this like why not do it somewhere that's like uh, like i could live in california or arizona And I think at the time I had like this uh, also this uh, romantic view of not just California, but of Arizona as well. I think at the time I was like, would have been happy to be in California or Arizona. And then uh, you had to apply. Then you had to pick. I think they gave you a list of locations and jobs and you had to like rank your top 10 or your top five and then you had to you know apply for the jobs like based on your experience and a lot of the jobs were teaching which was a bit of a bummer for me because I was kind of like I just didn't see myself as a teacher but I think I did like put some Arizona teaching jobs high and then uh then Los Angeles was like my second choice uh like and then after that maybe san diego I, I wasn't like i didn't have as much like i had more glamour for los angeles than san francisco at the time even though like as a kid i talked about how i like, was obsessed with san francisco when i was in grammar school and so i applied and then i remember having an interview call with this guy mike and he was very uh animated and sounded pretty relaxed uh And, like, uh, he said, okay, well, like, tell me about yourself. It was more of, like, an informational, whatever you call it, interview to kind of see how you'd handle things socially and things well outside of your comfort zone. And then I found out I got in, and then I found out I got placed in uh, East Los Angeles at Our Lady of Guadalupe School. And that is where I would be a second-grade teacher's aide and a boys' PE teacher and coach, uh, none of which I was qualified. Second grade, teacher's aid, I was pretty uh, qualified to do. And also I was in the capable hands of uh, Mrs. T. Uh, so she was, uh, Florencia, she was the best. And uh, and I got, so, oh, okay, so back up as we close out here. So I got to, we, I was at the thing, I saw the beautiful hills, went to Togo, met these two guys. I was definitely outside, then I started getting outside of my comfort zone. Then we had to go get a bus, uh, and I think it was a school bus, and to go we were going to go on like a training retreat. Uh, and I remember our bus broke down going over the Santa Cruz mountains. And I don't I can't remember who I sat with. I think I can kind of barely remember uh like, sitting with a couple people, and I was very, very socially feeling those strong feelings. And eventually we got to, uh, the retreat center, and then it was uh, it was in uh, Aptos, California, like, on the coast. Now, the northern California coast is much different than the southern California coast, so I don't know if we swam, but I remember hanging out on the beach, uh... And there was people that were, like, a little bit more, uh, like, socially interactive than me. And then I met my future roommates, because uh, you live in community. You live in the community you serve and then in a community of other volunteers. And I met all my roommates, and I said, okay, well, like, a, this seems to, like, a, we, we all seemed to, to get along. Uh, and there was three women and one other male, and... Uh, we kind of connected, and then I said, "Okay, well, at least now I know some people. And I'm trying to think how what else how else everything uh, pl- pl- planned out. Uh, then we had to kind of retreat and training and we kind of got to know our our community members. And then kind of got more comfortable and kind of got trained in mostly, like, how do you deal with, as a graduate of school, like, going to a new job that's going to be pretty intense? And that was the most important, powerful thing was, like, just remember, this is going to be really hard. And your first few weeks are going to be really, really hard living in community. Also, we were supposed to be living sim- simply, which meant we had a very limited budget, uh Like our housing was paid for and our utilities, and then we got a small stipend to spend and then a small stipend for food and stuff. And they said, you just kind of let yourself, you're not going to be good at your job. And it's, you know, you're going to have to learn, like you'll slowly learn. So give yourself permission to have some really hard days at work. Uh, Sorry, I get distracted. And then, oh, so we had a simple budget. So, believe it or not, like uh, we were actually able to eat really well. I think we were each given seventy five dollars a month uh, for food, and we kind of pooled that among the five of us and took turns cooking. I did get lunch at my job though because uh we all the teachers that was a great thing just just happened to be with my job, but uh we would uh the mother of the parish priest would cook lunch for the teachers every day. So we'd have, like, a teacher's meeting every day and eat lunch, which was absolutely amazing. Um, So I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just been on my mind, I guess, with changes lately, but just the hills and how it's kind of reconnected me. And it's just strange to kind of fall in love with something again that not many people probably fall in love with. And then, why do I love this so much? And say, "Oh well, I love it because of what it is, but also because I'm I was already connected to it. Uh, so, if you're wondering where I am, I'm probably, uh, I'm probably not. But at some point, you could see me slowly, oh so slowly, jying on that path, listening to a podcast, and really like enjoying the dirt and the heat uh, and the dust kicking up." Uh, not too dusty though in the grass and the views of those rolling straw-colored hills uh, So glad to be back in your arms. Good night.